What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me in the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG and MHS Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, today's podcast is all about tunnel vision, emotional tunnel, tunnel vision, as I call it. Um, my, my criticisms of uh, Michael Malone, which I have been kind of on an island about, have largely centered around his tendency to be too emotional. Um, I don't think there is, I, I don't remember a coach more emotional than him, uh, maybe aside from Stan Van Gundy, um, and famously, what was it, Shaq called, uh, Stan Van Gundy, the master of panic, which was said in a moment of pure spite <clears throat> after Stan Van Gundy had the temerity apparently of accusing Shaq of flopping and then, uh, Shaq went thermonuclear on him. Um, the issue with tunnel vision and emotional tunnel vision is it creates end of game and specifically second half scenarios that you saw against the, uh, new Brooklyn Nets when the, the Nuggets lost. Um, quite frankly, it was the, probably the, the foremost example of what tunnel vision does. Um, I will take you back to 2017, Danilo Gallinari's last year with the Denver Nuggets. Um, ostensibly, the Nuggets were trying to win that year. I mean, who knows what 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 the scenario was? But they, they, I think I think that is the year. 2017 is the year they won 40 games, and then they ended up losing that uh, uh, game against the Portland Trailblazers uh, that Tim Connolly famously walked back to the hotel in the rain uh he was so <laughs> disgusted with and uh um then the um uh, uh i believe it was the oklahoma city game that's the year Russell Westbrook averaged a triple double and uh, won the mvp um there was a game towards the end of the year the nuggets played the atlanta hawks and it was one of those games that pivoted that there was a pivot point in the year it was late enough to where the nuggets if they lost it would be losing playoff ground to the Portland Trailblazers. The uh, the scenario unfolded where Danilo Gallinari was, I think, oh, I don't know. He had like 24, 25 points. I'll, I'll never forget. I mean, the, the seats as I had them back then, this was six years ago. My seats as I had them back then were behind the Nuggets bench and to the angle. And we had very good views of what was going on uh, from there. And Malone was playing out the, the game. And in the last four minutes of the game, he didn't put Gallo back in. And in the last two minutes, the Nuggets lost a nine-point lead. And it was all free throws. It was famously all free. <laughs> Nuggets gave up. I think they were up by eight, and they gave up nine free throws to the Atlanta Hawks. It was it was one of those infuriating games. And uh, you look down at the bench... Danilo Gallinari is standing up at the end of the bench with his arms folded, glaring at Michael Malone, um, just glowering at him in a way that I've never seen him do. I, 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 I watched Gallo his entire seven years as a Denver Nugget, and that was that was the first time I'd seen someone that visibly angry at a coach like that. Other than Andre Miller being and uh, Aaron Aflalo in the Brian Shaw era, but that's a different story. So Gallo is just 
pissed. And that wasn't the first time Gallo had been pissed at something that Malone had done. He had said he'd popped off after the team had lost to uh, the Kings again and um, made some comment about the veterans not caring as much as he did. And, of course, that, that set things off. But it, after the game, Malone made, made a comment basically saying he had forgot Gallo was there. And... Everyone went, oh, ha, 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 you know, this is, you know, a coach admitting that he forgot a player was on the, on the, on, it's just sitting there. And I took mental note of that because it is rare that you have a scenario where a coach forgets the player who had been their leading scorer of the game like that, particularly one who was a veteran. So keep that in mind. And keep that in mind, and that was six years ago. So keep this, keep in mind something that Malone, who at that time was a second-year coach, and the Nuggets had taken off after uh, uh, the Jokic had come into the starting lineup. And fast forward to two days ago, um, Michael Malone takes out Michael Porter Jr., basically on his regular rotation. Um, people have misconstrued this as Porter being yanked because he was uh, um, playing bad. No, he was coming out at the usual time that he comes out. Um, he and Gordon tend to share minutes. And uh, Michael Porter Jr. wasn't taken out early. Um, the Nuggets were only down by three when Gallo, or excuse me, when uh, Porter was no longer out there. Uh, in fact, uh, the Nuggets had tied it at 80, and then they went behind by three. Porter goes out. Gordon's not out there. Um, and then the Nuggets really fumble the bag at the last part of the quarter and into the first part of the fourth quarter. At five minutes, and there, there, was, there was this question of what was happening. Because I had mentioned it on Twitter. I think, where the hell's Mike? Because Mike had a great first half. In fact, was probably, along with Jokic, the reason the Nuggets were up by, uh, I believe, seven heading into the second half. Um, the Nuggets starters came in and just went on this big run. And the Nuggets just expanded this lead to what it was going into halftime. So the Nuggets were probably pretty comfortable coming into the third and then they got sloppy lazy and sloppy and it, and it happens and you know you need to get on your team for that so porter comes out at his usual rotation spot but it gets to it's about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter and he's still not there six minutes left in the fourth quarter he's still not there five minutes left in the fourth quarter He's still not there. Then, with four-something left in the quarter, Porter gets off the bench and walks to the table. With about, I don't know, maybe a minute of standing there, Malone calls him back to the bench. Then, Porter doesn't get back in there until 26 seconds left in the game. Um... I will tell you my theory about what I be seriously believe happened here. Um, I said this on Twitter, and this is something that obviously seems benign, but is probably a very serious, serious problem. 
is Michael Malone probably for that three minute stretch where Porter probably should have come in. So you're about you're talking about eight and a, eight minutes to seven minutes is usually left in the game is usually when Mike comes back. They give him this rest between the eight, you know, eight minutes gone. So you're you're looking at eight minutes to eight minutes of time that he's on the bench. In that time, Malone had forgotten to put him back in uh, and was just simply observing the game as it was and getting increasingly distressed. And when coincidentally... Um, when Porter walks to the bench, excuse me, watch, walks to the scorer's table, it was when there was a mini run by the Denver Nuggets led by Christian Brown. So Malone compounds probably forgetting that Mike was there or not thinking about Mike putting Mike back in the game and compounds it by leaving him completely out of the game because of the run that the Nuggets went on. What that did was completely forget the context of the entire game. And the, I don't believe, people have ascribed Machiavellian things to Michael Malone. I have said this over and over. He is not, he is too emotional to be a Machiavellian coach. He doesn't think five steps ahead. He's too emotional. Uh, emotional coaches tend to re- either either be a extremely panicky and random, or the other side, which is the Malone side, get very, very, very tunnel vision and narrow focus in on things, um, which leads to kind of control freak attributes. Malone definitely falls into that category, um, and what coaches do when they fall into their comfort zones, when they get, they get into this tunnel vision or high pressure situations is they fall into what they know and what they think they know about basketball, what they, what their, I, Adam Mars calls it principles. And I, 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 I don't think Malone is necessarily that principled. I think he has what he likes. And some could say that is, that's a principled thing. I don't think it's that virtuous. I think Malone just has likes. Uh, every coach loves, uh, and this is something I found true through the entire time I've been watching the NBA up to my years uh, covering the Denver Nuggets, coaches kind of like people who are like themselves. Um, and that comes from football, basketball, you know, I'm sure baseball and uh, uh Hockey have the same thing. Coaches tend to like people who reflect themselves to themselves. Famously, Dan Issel said he picked Rafe LaFrance because he reminded him of him. Okay. There is a tendency to have that reflection. And Malone has a very specific reflection that he goes to in comfort situations to ease him through the panic. Um, I, I think we over as once again, I'm going to reiterate this. And in the second half, I'm going to explain what that comfort is, but we over ascribe Machiavellian things to most coaches. Most coaches are not that five steps ahead. Um, because when you're dealing with human beings, you cannot be thinking in chess moves like that. Um, there's things that you have to ascribe for. There's things, notions that you have to, 
uh, be a, on an account for, and you have to be managing egos of people who make a lot more money than you. Um, George Carl always said that he had the hammer of playing time, um, but he would only use that if um, things were getting out of hand. George was a lot different from the way Malone approaches this. But in the second half of the podcast, I'm going to talk to you about Malone's comfort area and why that comfort area, when he gets into tunnel vision, is what is hurting this Denver Nuggets team. But first, I would like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They have a location in Fort Collins, and they have one in the dairy block. Uh, if you want whites, reds, Rieslings, rosés, blends, um, sampling of what Colorado has to offer, wine cocktails, they've got everything for you there in your one-stop shop for for your local Colorado wine bar. Um, the if you want some of the Western Slope stuff, they got Rieslings is basically the best grape that grows out in the Western Slope, so I would advise you to to try one of those. But they've got reds and you know whites and other things that they they produce out there in Western Colorado, but. You know, Blanchard Family Wines has its own wines that they make from Sonoma County grapes. So you've got Pinot, you've got uh, Cabernet, you've got uh, Merlot, uh, Syrahs, you know, uh, Malbecs, anything of those that you, any any varietal that you really can, uh, are craving, they have got there at Blanchard Family Wines. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at BFW Denver, BFWcolorado.com. I keep doing that. On Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. Everyone has seen it by now. The three-guard lineup. Um, I have a text chain that I'm in with people who are in the league. Um, I no longer cover um, as a credentialed member of the Denver Nuggets. Uh, but I, I have a lot of relationships I had from the past. And I can tell you that um, everyone knows that Michael Malone has a thing. And his things are what we call the midget lineups, which is probably not fair, but it is the, it is the guard, all three guard lineup that he constantly goes back to. And, and really you can say this has been his thing for a long time. As I said before, coaches tend to like reflections of themselves. And, um, you know, I've, I, if you, anyone listened to me the previous two seasons, um, you would know that Faku Campasso was a Michael Malone archetype, um, wavy armed tryhard, and I always go back to that famous Dallas uh, Mavericks game from I think it was his his uh, first year cover um, first year coaching the Denver Nuggets, where he is waving his arms like a madman behind uh, Char um, 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 Chandler Parsons and. Uh, you know, mimicking defense, basically, or what he would do is with defense. And um, Michael Malone is a plucky, overachieving tryhard um, as a basketball player. And um, coaches tend to like players who are like themselves. I remember famous, Rick Carlisle was a bench guy, you know. And a lot of the better coaches in NBA history that were players tended to be guys who weren't 
starters or stars or anything like that. But even he likes his wings, you know, and his and his two guards. Um, the it's just something that happens through uh, NBA history. You just like who you like. And Malone's over-reliance on three-guard lineups is a tunnel vision part of his personality. Um, you could, We could go to him and say, I could go to Michael Malone and say, look, um, this is clearly not working based on every sort of analytic plus the eye test. It's just not working. You can't, you can't keep doing this. He would probably reply that the, his own internal view is that it is something that will be effective. Um, he has gone back to three guard lineups over and over and over and over again. And it's gotten probably more prevalent as the years have gone on with Malone. But you can see it most um, egregiously in situations where he feels out of control. And there was a there was a scenario that presented itself in the third quarter of this Nuggets game where you can see Malone started his version of flailing is going back to his comfort thing, which is the three guard lineup. Um, the Nuggets kind of fucked around to start the third quarter and yeah, the, the, the small lineup with uh, the Nets was little confounding, but it was just the Nuggets were playing lazy. Um, and that was everyone on the roster, including Jokic. But they were still down by three when they took Porter out. The re response was to double down on, on the three guards. Malone, as much as we will complain about that, thinks that it is something that will work. And the, another part of his tunnel vision is not being able to see the forest for the trees. Sometimes, and, and this is an aspect of his personality that has manifested itself over and over and over again. Um, you have to like repeatedly beat him on the head with it in order for him to finally understand that that's what you need to do. Like, look, we're just fans, right? I'm not, I am, like I said before, I, I'm not a credentialed media member anymore. So I'm just viewing this from the outside. Yes, I still have relationships with people, but look, I'm not there. I can't, I can't get the pulse of this team. Um, and Malone in the game against the Nets, it looked like he was fundamentally shook and started panicking. And his version of panic is get the three guards in. And that just made things worse. So he overcompensates. Now, he did stumble into the right thing, which is having Christian Brown out there. But the problem was, in, the, in his tunnel vision and him forgetting that Mike was on the bench, uh, he made a fundamentally bad choice, which was, as much as he it is very clear based on his answer post-game that he had, he had basically forgotten that Mike was out there. I mean, it's me reading between the lines, but you could tell because his answer was a non-answer and very sheepish. It was a very sheepish answer. And you can kind of tell he just had missed his opportunity in his mind to get Mike out there. And there was an either-or situation with Christian Brown. That is not true. The scenario in the situation was Jamal was injured. And did they really need a quote-unquote point guard like that when you 
have Jokic out there? I mean, Bruce Brown, what was Bruce Brown actually doing? You know? And the key is not that Bruce Grant, Bruce Brown is a quote defensive player. The key was that Bruce Brown was a guard. And people have missed the forest for the trees with this in the entire time we have been talking about this. Bruce Brown is a guard. Michael Malone knows he's a guard. There's no confusion here. Okay. Bruce Brown was out there because Michael Malone was residing in his comfort zone. And what is going to be fascinating to watch in the playoffs is to see how quickly Michael Malone adapts to scenarios that present itself where he is not in control of the situation. Um, I am concerned that these problems will continue to manifest. The lack of in-game adaptability um, is not something that I have made up here. It is just something that is fact. Michael Malone has an, some issue with in-game adaptability and doubling down on his uh, comfort zone hurt the Nuggets, particularly at the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter. The things changed for the Nuggets and they got back in the game when Jokic came in. Yes, it helped that Christian Brown was out there, but it really was Jokic coming back in. And with Murray being out, and basically you had two guys who were um, huge parts of your offensive production that weren't in the game in the fourth quarter. And that is not something you uh, that is conducive to winning basketball particularly with as much as Michael Porter Jr. has improved his game this year, was very odd to watch Malone kind of not be flummoxed, but, but retreat, retreat into this tunnel of guard, 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 guard. And, and it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to watch. Um, and this is where the, the, the rubber will meet the road in in the playoffs forget now the playoffs there's only 14 games left in this season the nuggets are on a five game east game east coast road trip um they'll probably i mean honestly i'm i'm sure i'm certain they will start winning some games there's some weak opponents on this this trip um and i think that they will regain some of their their mojo on this road trip but it's the playoffs where I'm concerned. And with a team as talented as this, you cannot afford to have a coach retreat into tunnel vision and forget players are on the bench and play three guards. You just can't do it. And this will be a test of Michael Malone. There is, I said this in my series, uh, the season of no excuses. There's no excuses. There's no excuses for MPJ. There's no excuses for Jokic. There's no excuses for Jamal Murray. This is a high-pressure season. I don't think it's pressure that's getting to him. I think they relaxed. The Nuggets know how good they are. I, I, I Honestly, people... It, everyone was telling them they needed to beat Memphis. And the Nug then the Western Conference will basically be sewn up. Well, that's exactly what happened, folks. <laughs> the Nuggets relaxed. 
they needed a three-game kick in the head. And I think, I think they will start playing better. It may not result in a bunch of wins, but it'll start playing better. Where I'm concerned right now is the playoffs, and I don't want this to be a flameout because they've got a head coach whose eyes are filled with that tunnel vision, to quote Foreigner. All right, thank you all for joining me in the latest Morecast. I'll be back soon with another episode. Goodbye.